0: Chapter 1 Introduction to the Beatitudes And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Matthew 5, 1-2 The blessed evangelist Matthew, the penman of this sacred history, was at first a publican or tax collector by profession. Christ Jesus, having called him from gathering taxes, made him a gatherer of souls. This man, in the first chapter, writes down Christ's birth and genealogy. In the second chapter, Matthew writes of his dignity. A star ushers in the wise men to him, and as a king, he is presented with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Matthew two eleven. In the third chapter, the evangelist records his baptism in the fourth chapter, Matthew records his temptation. In the fifth chapter, which is like a rich mine, Matthew records his preaching. Every vein has some gold in it. There are four things in this chapter that offer themselves to our view. One, the preacher. Two, the pulpit. Three, the occasion. And four, the sermon. One, the preacher. He was Jesus Christ. He was the best of preachers. He went up. In him there was a combination of virtues and a constellation of beauty. His lips were not only as sweet as the honeycomb, but his words dropped as the honeycomb. His words were an oracle. His words were a miracle. His life was a pattern, and his death was a sacrifice. He went up into a mountain and taught. Jesus Christ was every way ennobled and qualified for the work of the ministry. Christ was an intelligent preacher. He had the Spirit without measure John 3.34. He knew how to speak a word in due season, for He knew when to humble others and when to comfort them. We cannot know all the faces of our hearers. Christ knew the hearts of His hearers. He understood what doctrine would best suit them, just as the farmer can tell what sort of grain is proper for a certain soil. Christ was a powerful preacher. He spoke with authority Matthew seven twenty nine, He could set people's sins before them and show them their very hearts. Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did John 4, 29. The best mirror is not that which is most richly decorated with pearls, but that which shows the truest face. Christ was a preacher to the conscience. He breathed as much zeal as eloquence. He often touched upon the heartstrings. What is said of Martin Luther is more truly applicable to Christ. He spoke as if he had been within a man. He could drive the wedge of his doctrine in the most knotty piece. He was able with his two-edged sword to pierce a heart of stone. Never man spake like this man, John 7:46. Christ was a successful preacher. He had the art of converting souls. Many believed on him. John 10:42. Yes, even people of power and position believed on him. Among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. John 12:42. He who had grace poured into his lips. Psalm 45, 2, could pour grace into his hearers' hearts. He had the key of David in his hand, Revelation 3, 7, and when he pleased, he opened the hearts of men and made way both for himself and his doctrine to enter. If he did blow the trumpet, even his enemies would come under his banner. Upon his call, no one dare do anything except surrender. Christ was a lawful preacher. As he had his anointing from his Father, so his mission was from his Father also. The Father that sent me bears witness of me John 8, 18. Christ, in whom all perfections were centered, would still be solemnly sealed and inaugurated into his ministerial as well as his mediatory office. If Jesus Christ would not enter upon the work of the ministry without a commission, how absurdly impudent they are who dare to invade this holy function without any authorization! There must be a lawful admission of men into the ministry. No man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron Hebrews 5, 4. As our Lord Christ gave apostles and prophets who were extraordinary ministers, so He gave pastors and teachers who were initiated and made in an ordinary way, Ephesians four eleven. He will have a ministry perpetuated. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, Matthew twenty eight twenty. Certainly, there is as much need of anointing and appointing now as in Christ's time, and in the time of the apostles, especially since there were then extraordinary gifts in the church that are now ceased. But why should not the ministry be for everyone? Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Numbers 12, 2. Why shouldn't one person preach as well as another? I answer that it is because God, who is the God of order, has made the work of the ministry a select, distinct office from any other. Just as in the natural body the members have a distinct role, so it is in the body of Christ the eye is to see, and the hand is to work. You may as well ask why the hand should not see as well as the eye. It is because God has made the distinction. He has put the ability to see into the one and not the other. So here, God has made a distinction between the work of the ministry and other work. Where is this distinction? We find in Scripture a distinction between pastor and people. The elders, or ministers, I exhort, feed the flock of God which is among you. 1 Peter 5, 1-2. If anyone may preach, then by the same rule everyone may preach, and then what will become of the apostles' distinction? Where will the flock of God be if all are pastors? God has provided the minister his work that is proper for him, and does not belong to anyone else. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give thyself wholly to them, or, as it is in the Greek, Be thou holy in them. 1 Timothy 4.13.15. This instruction is specifically for the minister and does not concern others. The tradesman is not told that he should give himself wholly to doctrine and exhortation. No, let him look after his shop it is not spoken to the farmer that he should give himself wholly to preaching. No, let him give himself to his plow. It is the minister's charge. The apostle speaks to Timothy, and in him to the rest who had the hands of the presbytery laid on them 1 Timothy 4, 14. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2:15 This is spoken specifically to the minister not everyone who can read the word properly can divide the word properly the work of the ministry is not for everyone and anyone it is a select special work just as no one could touch the ark of the covenant except for the priests so no one may touch this temple duty except those who are called to it but if a man has gifts is not this sufficient i answer no just as grace is not sufficient to make a minister neither are gifts scripture puts a difference between gifting and sending how shall they preach except they be sent romans 10:15 if gifts were enough to make a minister the apostle should have said how shall they preach unless they are gifted but he said except they be sent as in other callings gifts do not qualify someone to be a judge. The attorney who pleads at the bar may have just as good gifts as the judge who sits upon the bench, but he must have a commission before he sits as a judge. If this is true in civil matters, it is much more true in ecclesiastical and sacred matters, which are, as Martin Busser said, things of the highest importance. Those, therefore, who usurp the ministerial work without any special designation and appointment reveal more pride than zeal. They act out of their sphere and are guilty of theft. They move in upon a people, and as they come without a call, so they stay without a blessing. I sent them not, nor commanded them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all. Jeremiah 23, 32. So much for the first, the preacher. Two, the pulpit, where Christ preached. He went up into a mountain. The law was first given on the mount, and Christ here expounds it on the mount. This mount, as is supposed by Jerome and others who are scholarly, was Mount Tabor. It was a convenient place to speak considering the large gathering of hearers since it was seated above the people. 3. The occasion of Christ's ascending the mount. Seeing the multitudes. The people thronged to hear Christ, and he would not dismiss the congregation without a sermon. Seeing the multitudes, he went up. Jesus Christ came from heaven as an agent for souls. He was an ambassador here a while. Preaching was his business. The people could not be so desirous to hear as he was to preach. He who treated frail bodies with compassion, Matthew 15, 32, much more was compassionate toward dead souls. It was his meat and drink to do his Father's will, John 4, 34. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mount and preached. He did this not only for the consolation of his hearers, but also for the imitation of his ministers. From this we can see That Christ's ministers, according to Christ's pattern, must embrace every opportunity of doing good to souls. Praying and preaching and studying must be our work. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Second Timothy four two. Peter, seeing the multitude, let down the net and in one attempt caught three thousand souls. Acts two forty one. How zealously industrious have God's champions been in former ages in fulfilling the work of their ministry as we read of John Chrysostom Augustine Basil the Great John Calvin Martin Bucer and others who for the work of Christ were nigh unto death Philippians 2:27 Now I will present some reasons why the ministers of Christ according to his pattern should be ambitiously desirous of all opportunities for soul service. 1. Their commission. God has entrusted them as ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20. An ambassador waits for a day when he can be heard, and as soon as a day is granted, he faithfully and impartially delivers the mind of his prince. In the same way, Christ's ministers, having a commission appointed to them to negotiate for souls, should be glad when there is a day when they can be heard, so that they may impart the mind and will of Christ to His people. 2. Their Titles Ministers are called God's sowers 1 Corinthians 9.11. Therefore, upon all occasions, they must be scattering the blessed seed of the Word. The sower must go forth and sow Matthew 13. Yes, And even if the seed falls upon stones, as it usually does, we still must spread and scatter the seed of the Word upon stony hearts, because God is able of these stones to raise up children to Himself. Matthew 3 9 Ministers are called stars. Therefore, they must shine by Word and doctrine in the firmament of the Church. Our Lord Christ has set them a pattern in the text. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. Here was a light set upon a hill, Matthew 5:14, the bright morning star, shining to all who were round about. Revelation 22:16. Christ calls his ministers the light of the world," Matthew 5:14. Therefore, they must be always giving forth their light. Their light must not go out, until it is put away or until it is extinguished. Christ's ministers must take advantage of all occasions of doing good to others in regard to the work that they are about, and that is saving souls. What a precious thing a soul is! Christ takes, as it were, a pair of scales in His hands. He puts the world on one scale and the soul on the other, and the soul outweighs the world. Matthew 16:26 The soul is of a noble origin and living activity it is a flower of eternity here it is in the bud but in heaven it will be fully ripe and blossomed the soul is one of the richest pieces of embroidery that god ever made for the understanding is adorned with light the will is invested with liberty and the affections like musical instruments are tuned with the finger of the holy spirit the soul is Christ's partner and is known to the angels. If the souls of men are of so noble an extract and made capable of glory, how zealously industrious Christ's ministers should be to save these souls! If Christ spent His blood for souls, we may well spend our sweat. It was Augustine's prayer that Christ would find him at His coming either praying or preaching. What a sad sight it is to see precious souls as so many pearls and diamonds cast into the dead sea of hell! The ministers of Christ, seeing the multitudes, must descend the mount because there are so many agents of Satan who lie in wait to destroy souls. How the old serpent casts out of his mouth floods of water after the woman to drown her! Revelation 12.15. What floods of heresy have been poured out in city and country that have overflowed the banks not only of religion but of civility. Ignatius calls error the invention of the devil, and Bernard calls it a sweet poison. People's ears, like sponges, have sucked in this poison. Never were the devil's commodities able to be sold in England more than now. A fine tongue can sell bad merchandise. The Jesuit can silver over his lies and dress error in truth's coat. A weak brain is quickly charmed. When flattery and subtlety meet with the simple, they easily become a prey. The Roman whore, Revelation 17:1, entices many to drink down the poison of her idolatry and filthiness because it is given in a golden cup. Revelation 17:4. If all who have the plague of the head would die, it would much increase the rate of mortality. If there are so many agents of Satan abroad who labor to make converts to the church of Rome, how it should concern those whom God has put into the work of the ministry to awaken themselves and lay hold of all opportunities, so that by their spiritual remedies they may convert sinners from the errors of their ways and save their souls from death. James 5.20. Ministers must not only be pastores, pastors, but also proeliatores, fighters, warriors. In one hand, they must hold the bread of life and feed the flock of God, 1 Peter 5, 2, and in the other hand, they must hold the sword of the Spirit and fight against those errors that carry damnation in their front. The ministers of Christ should watch for all opportunities of soul service, because the preaching of the Word meets so many adverse forces that hinder its progress and success. Never did a ship's pilot meet with so many Euroclidons and crosswinds in a voyage as the spiritual pilots of God's church do when they are transporting souls to heaven. Some hearers have bad memories James Their memories are like leaking vessels all the precious wine of holy doctrine that is poured in runs out immediately. Ministers cannot by study find a truth as quickly as others can lose it. If the meat does not stay in the stomach, it can never produce good blood. If a truth delivered does not stay in the memory, we can never be, as the apostle says, nourished up in the words of faith, 1 Timothy 4, 6. How often the devil, that fowl of the air, picks up the good seed that is sown. If people suffer at the hands of thieves, they tell everyone and make their complaint that they have been robbed. But there is a worse thief they are not aware of. How many sermons the devil has stolen from them. How many truths they have been robbed of that might have provided much deathbed comfort. If the word preached slides so quickly out of the memory, Ministers then need to go up the preaching mount even more often, so that at last some truth may abide and be as a nail fastened by the masters of assemblies. Ecclesiastes 12.22. The ears of many of our hearers are stopped with earth. Because of the cares of the world, the word preached will not enter, as it says in the parable, Hearing they hear not. Matthew 13.13. We read about Saul. His eyes were open, yet he saw no man. Acts nine eight. What a strange paradox! Is it not just as strange that people's ears should be open, yet in hearing they hear not? They pay no attention to what is said. They sit before thee as my people, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Ezekiel 33.31. Many people sit and stare into the face of the minister, yet hardly know a word he says. They are thinking of their business and worldly concerns, and are often figuring up their bills and expenses in the church. If a man is in a mill, even though you speak loudly to him, he does not hear you because of the noise of the mill. We preach to people about matters of salvation, but the mill of worldly business makes such a noise that they cannot hear. Hearing they hear not, since it is this way, ministers who are called sons of thunder mark three seventeen need to often ascend the mount and lift up their voice like a trumpet isaiah fifty eight one so that the deaf ear may be syringed and unstopped, and may hear what the spirit saith unto the churches, revelation two seven Others, just as they have earth in their ears, so they have a stone in their hearts. They make their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law. Zechariah 7, 12. Therefore, the ministers of Christ must be frequently brandishing the sword of the Spirit and striking at the sins of the people, so that if possible they may at last pierce the heart of stone. When the earth is scorched with the sun, it is so hard and crusted together that a shower of rain will not soften it there must be shower after shower before it will be either moist or fertile the heart of man is naturally such a hardened piece it is so hardened with the scorchings of lust that there must be precept upon precept isaiah 28:10 our doctrine must distill as the dew as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. Deuteronomy 32, two. According to the example of their Lord and Master, Christ's ministers should take all occasions of doing good not only in regard for God's glory, but for their own comfort. What triumph it is, and what a cause of gladness, when a minister can say on his deathbed, Lord, I have done the work that you gave me to do. I have been working to save souls. When a minister comes to the Mount of Glory, the heavenly mount, it will be a great comfort to him that he has been so often upon the preaching mount. Certainly, if the angels in heaven rejoice at the conversion of a sinner Luke the minister will rejoice in heaven over every soul that he has been instrumental in converting. Just as it will add a member to Christ's body, so it will add a jewel to a minister's crown they that be wise or as the original states it they who are teachers shall shine not as lamps or candles but as stars daniel 12:3 they will not shine as planets but as fixed stars in the firmament of glory forever and though israel be not gathered God's ministers will still be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. Isaiah forty-nine 5. God will reward them not according to their success, but according to their diligence. When they are a savor of death to men, 2 Corinthians 2 16, they are yet a sweet savour to God. 2 Corinthians 2 15. In an orchard. The laborer who cuts down a tree is rewarded as well as he who plants a tree. The surgeon's bill is paid even if the patient dies. First, let me ask Liberty to speak a word to the Elishas, my brethren in the ministry. You are engaged in a glorious service. God has put great honor upon you. He has entrusted you with two most precious jewels, his truths and the souls of his people. This honor was never conferred upon any angel to convert souls. What princely dignity can match this? The pulpit is higher than the throne, for a truly approved minister represents no less than God himself. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God 2 Corinthians 5:20. Allow me to say as the apostle i magnify my office romans 11:13 whatever our persons are the office is sacred the ministry is the most honorable employment in the world jesus christ has graced this calling by entering into it other men work in their trade but ministers work with god we are laborers together with god 1 corinthians 3:9 This is a high honor. God and his ministers have one and the same work. They both deal with souls. Let the sons of the prophets wear this as their crown and diadem. However, while I tell you of your honor, do not forget your duty. Imitate this blessed pattern in the text. The Lord Jesus saw the multitudes and went up and taught. He took all opportunities to preach. Sometimes he taught in the temple. Mark fourteen forty nine, sometimes in a ship, Mark four one, and here upon the mount, his lips were a tree of life that fed many. He often neglected his food so that he might feast others with his doctrine. Let all the ministers of Christ tread in his steps. Make Christ not only your savior but also your example. Allow no opportunities to slip by in which you may be helpful to the souls of others. Do not be content to go to heaven yourselves, but be as the primum mobile which draws other orbs along with it. Be such shining lamps that you may light others to heaven with you. I will conclude with the words of the apostle, therefore my beloved brethren be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the lord. 1 Corinthians 15:58. Secondly, let me turn myself to the flock of God. If ministers must take all opportunities to preach, you must take all opportunities to hear. If a certain sum of money was to be distributed two or three times a week to all who came, people would go there. Now, think in this way: when the Word of God is preached, the bread of life is distributed, which is more precious than thousands of gold and silver. Psalm 11972. In the word preached, heaven and salvation are offered to you. In this field, the pearl of great price is hidden. Matthew 13, 45 46. How you should flock like doves to the windows of the sanctuary. Isaiah 60, 8. We read that the gate of the temple was called beautiful. Acts 3, 2. The gate of God's house is the beautiful gate. Lie at these posts of wisdom's doors. Proverbs 8:34 Do not just hear the word preached but also encourage those ministers who do preach by generously supporting them. Although I hope that all who have God's urim and thummim written upon them Exodus 28:30 can say with the apostle I seek not yours but you 2 Corinthians 12:14 yet that verse is still canonical that says so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. First Corinthians nine fourteen. Peter Martyr asked, Are not labourers in a vineyard maintained by their labours? The apostle presents the question, Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? First Corinthians nine seven. Hypocrites love a cheap religion. They like a gospel that will allow them to keep all that they have. They are content with wooden priests if they are able to have golden bags. How many have lost their souls by saving their wallets! Julian the Apostate robbed the minister's pretending conscience. I don't need to tell you how vengeance pursued him. Is it not a pity that the fire on God's altar should go out for lack of pouring on a little golden oil? David would not offer to God that which cost him nothing, 2 Samuel 24:24. 24, 24. Encourage God's ministers by your fruitfulness under their labors. When ministers are upon the mount, don't let them be upon the rocks. What cost God has laid out upon this city? Never, I believe, since the times of the apostles, was there a more learned, orthodox, powerful ministry than now. God's ministers are called stars Revelation one twenty. In this city every morning a star appears, besides the bright constellation on the Lord's day. O you who feed in the green pastures of ordinances, be fat and fertile. You who are planted in the courts of God, flourish in the courts of God. Psalm ninety two twelve to fourteen. How sad it will be with a people who will go to hell weighed down with gospel blessings! The best way to encourage your ministers is to let them see the travail of their souls in your new birth. It is a great comfort when a minister not only pursues souls, but also wins souls. He that winneth souls is wise Proverbs eleven thirty. This is a minister's glory. For what is our hope? or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our lord jesus christ at his coming 1st thessalonians 2:19 a successful preacher wears two crowns a crown of righteousness in heaven and a crown of rejoicing here upon earth are you not our crown encourage your ministers by praying for them their work is considerable and of great importance it is a work that will take up their head and heart and all little enough it is a work fitter for angels than men who is sufficient for these things second corinthians 2:16 oh pray for them christ indeed when he ascended the mount and was to preach needed none of the people's prayers for him he had a sufficient supply for the divine nature supplied him but all who serve him in the ministry need prayer if Paul, who abounded in the graces of the spirit and supernatural revelations, pleaded for prayer 1 thessalonians five twenty five then certainly other ministers need prayer, who do not profess to have had any such revelations. Pray for your ministers that God will direct them as to what to preach, that he will cut out their work for them. Preach the preaching that I bid thee Jonah three two it is a great matter to preach suitable truths. There are acceptable words. Ecclesiastes 12.10. Pray that God will go forth with their labors, or else they toil and catch nothing. Luke 5.5. 5. God's Spirit must fill the sails of our ministry. It is not the hand that scatters the seed that makes it spring up, but it is the dews and influences of heaven. It is not our preaching that makes grace grow in people's hearts, but it is the divine influence of the Spirit. We are merely pipes and organs. It is God's Spirit blowing in us that makes the preaching of the Word, by a divine attraction, draw souls to Christ. Ministers are only stars to light you to Christ. The Spirit is the magnet to draw you. As Martin Bucer said, all the good done by our ministry is due to the Lord's excellent and effectual working. Oh then, pray for us! Pray that God will make His work prosper in our hands. One reason why the word preached does not profit more may be because people do not pray more. Perhaps you complain that the tool is dull, that the minister is dead and cold. You should have honed and sharpened him by your prayer. If you want the door of a blessing opened to you through our ministry, you must unlock it by the key of prayer. And for the Sermon, we will now begin discussing the text of the Sermon of our Lord Jesus Christ.